the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our text is taken from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. And I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war with another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Our theme for this year is Come to the Water. And the acronym WATER, of course, stands for Waiting, Always Trusting, expecting, and the letter R for the first three months of this year will be focusing on renewal, and we have been doing that. So the theme for this first three months of the year is about renewal, waiting, always trusting, expecting renewal. And today we're going to talk about renewing our courage to follow Jesus. Now some of you are asking, is this a sermon about courage? Or is it a sermon about following Jesus? I'd like to tell you it's both. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, not only will it take a tremendous amount of faith, it will take a spirit-driven courage to call ourselves disciples of Jesus. The road to discipleship is not an easy road. But it's the only road that leads to eternal life. And Jesus said that road is narrow. 
One of the worst uh, nightclub fires in, in U.S. history occurred in uh, February 20th, 2003 at a club called The Station. This was uh, in Rhode Island. The fire was caused by uh, uh, pyrotechnic flames that caught the ceiling of the club. Because the people thought that the, the, the fire was part of the show, they started dancing and clapping and cheering. They started uh, enjoying themselves until black smoke began to engulf the entire club. And at that very moment, panic ensued because 500 people decided to run at the same time to the only available exit, which was a very small door. And guess what happened? A hundred people perished that night. Imagine 500 people trying to fit through that one small door. Why is that? Because at that moment, that door represented life. That's the only way they could have their life. That's the sort of illustration that Jesus used when he says, the door or the road to eternal life is narrow and the door or the road to destruction is wide. That's exactly the point that he was making. He commands us to enter the narrow door. And Jesus is that narrow door. Jesus is that narrow road that leads to eternal life. There are no other roads that lead to eternal life except through Jesus. Not all religions lead to God. That much is clear in Scripture. The only way to God is not through religion, but through a person. And of course, we all know that Jesus is that door. Jesus is that road. In our text, we find Jesus traveling, and there was a large crowd following him. I mean, if you just look at that from the surface, you would see that Jesus was this biggest rock star that ever was. He had a big entourage. He had his disciples and he had hundreds of other people following him around because he was, he was performing miracles. He was preaching all of these, these wise words to the nation and he's turning the, the establishment upside down. And so it's no, it's no surprise that people are just following him and large crowds were indeed interested in jumping in that bandwagon. But Jesus knew that not everyone who follows him understood what it meant to be his followers. Not because people followed him means they are disciples of Jesus. So in classic Jesus fashion, this is vintage Jesus. He turned around and he looked at the crowd and he said, If any one of you who wants to follow me, if you're not willing to hate your father, your mother, your wife, your sister, your brothers, your children, even yourself, you cannot be my disciple. You can just imagine the stunned crowd being silent. What in the world? What does he mean by that? What does he mean hating everything and following him? Well, it helps to understand that in the, in the culture of Jesus' day, people use what you call extreme hyperbolic language to drive home a point. 
This is an example of that. You know, when someone wants to make an emphatic point about something, they use this hyperbolic type of language. In this case, Jesus used the word hate. Okay? I mean, he, Jesus does this all the time. Remember that, 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 that passage in Scripture where Jesus says, Why do you want to pick the speck from your brother's eye and refuse to acknowledge that telephone pole on your own eye? It's another example of hyperbolic language. Now, the word hate that Jesus used here is the word miseo, which means to love less. And that's important. And so the point of Jesus when he says, if you want to follow me, you must hate, he's not saying to literally hate your wife, hate your mother, hate your father, or hate everyone else. He simply means, if you love these things or these people more than you love me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus uses this type of communication mechanism all the time in the Bible. In, this, in, in, in Luke chapter 16, one of the classic use of this, uh, of this uh, language, this way of speaking, is found in verse 13 of Luke 16. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's not saying you should hate money. He's not saying that you should, you should completely reject that. He's saying if you love that more than you love God, you cannot be my disciples. Loved ones, the only thing we're supposed to hate is evil. That's the only thing we're supposed to hate. The Bible says hate what is evil and cling to that which is good. Jesus will never advocate hatred of family in a sense that we understand hatred. What Jesus was saying was you cannot love these things or these people more than you love me and still be my disciple. So he looked at the crowd that was following him and he literally pointed to them that if they want to follow him, they must make a choice. And this choice will take an enormous amount of courage. Why? Because to follow Jesus we must, all of us, must understand that there is a cost to be paid. He would expect complete commitment. And we must learn to accept the consequences of being his disciple. So let's take a look at those things. First, what is the cost? The cost of following Jesus is twofold. Right off the bat. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you will pay the cost. And the cost is this, sacrifice and suffering. Sacrifice and suffering. Look at verses 26 and 27 again. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. He said, if you want to be my follower, you have to be ready to sacrifice and to suffer in the two 
areas of your life that is the most significant. That's in the area of your relationship and in the area of your personal resources. Jesus says, you want to be my disciple? You're going to have to take a good look at your relationships and you're going to have to make some sacrifices because they're not going to be above being above. They're not going to take place, the place of your discipleship. You're going to have to make sacrifices in your relationships. And not only that, you're going to have to suffer some loss, especially in the area of your livelihood. And that's just what Jesus was saying. If you want to pay the cost, here are the costs. Here are the costs. You're going to suffer in the area of your relationships, and you're going to have to sacrifice something about your livelihood. Now, in context, Jesus, in the, the same chapter, uh, told a story. This is in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. Jesus was in the banquet, and in verse 15, the Bible says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, and I love it when Jesus replies with a story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Jesus says, Sacrifice all your relationship in favor of the real relationship that you're going to have with me. Why is that so critical in our walk with Christ? That we must be uh, willing to suffer loss uh, uh, in our resources and suffer or sacrifice uh, ourselves in the areas of our relationship. Now, please understand, again, that Jesus is not advocating a denial of our relationships. He's not saying abandon your wife or abandon your family. He's not talking about denying ourselves of the opportunity to make a living and to, uh, to, to gain an income or, or to, to establish ourselves with resources that we need. He's not talking about denial. He's simply talking about degrees. He says, if you put these things above me, you cannot be my disciples. He's saying, to what degree do you love these things in comparison to your love for me? You know, I've often wondered, why is Jesus, every time he talks about following him, he emphasizes so much on sacrifice and suffering? You know, I've always asked that question because, you know, a lot of people try to ignore that aspect of the gospel, that it does entail a degree of, of sacrifice and suffering on our part to become Christians. I've always wondered, why Jesus emphasized that in his ministry. But I think as I got older as a Christian, I realized that when Jesus came, he wanted to let people know that they are living in a fallen world. And, and that they are, and we are, all of us, 
are fallen people. You hear me say that many times. He wants us to understand that this world is broken. And we too are broken. And ever since the fall of humanity, listen loved ones, suffering rather than security became the norm. And we acknowledge that. You acknowledge this morning that, that, that we are living in a fallen world. Why is there a coronavirus that we're worrying about right now? It's because of the fact that we live in a world that is less than perfect. Sacrifice or suffering is now the norm. It's no longer security. And we need, really need to acknowledge that. Sacrifice, on the other hand, has since the fall of man have been the only way to access God. Did you know that? If you read the Bible, God wants to meet with his people, they have to offer sacrifices. You ever notice in the New Testament, Jesus came and the way back to God is for Jesus to sacrifice and suffer. I mean, that's a fact of scriptures. We, we, we can't deny that. Because the only way back to God now is through suffering and sacrifice. But aren't you glad that Jesus did those two things so that we too can go through the same narrow road, narrow door? That's what the gospel is all about. The gospel, the words of Christ is renewing something in us the moment we decide to follow Jesus. Get ready to be renewed in the inside. And part of the ways that God renews us is to say to us, if you follow me, there's going to be some sacrifices and some sufferings involved. Don't worry about that. I'm transforming you. I'm conforming you. I'm doing something in the inside of you that no one else can do. I'm trying to remove you from this world system and remove that idolatry in you that caused the separation in the first place. Did you know that when you go through suffering and trials... Do you know that if you have to sacrifice something for the glory of Jesus, do you know what God does? He removes that idolatrous tendency in us. Because idolatry is refusing to believe that we live in a fallen world. That's what the definition of idolatry is in the Bible. People continue to refuse that there's nothing in this world that really has any kind of eternal value. And God is pointing us to Jesus because Jesus is the author of eternal life. Our focus is not on earth anymore because this earth is, was racked by idolatry. The sin of idolatry. Why did you think Adam and Eve fell? Idolatry. God says, you can have everything except for this one. And what did they say to God? Sorry, God, that's not enough. That's idolatry. It shows up in our lives, and the gospel is renewing us, trying to get us out of that worldly system so that we don't cling to that worldly system. Jesus was adamant about the exclusivity of our love and loyalty to him because that's the only way idolatry can be reversed from our lives. And people don't want to pay the cost. Of following Jesus, but that's the only way we can be detached from this world, from the system of this world. If something else is more important to us than God, 
then we're guilty of idolatry. Idolatry is sacrificing our relationship with God in favor of our relationships with others and in favor of our own station in life, our resources. We stress on the job. Why? Because we're afraid that if we make a mistake at work, that we're going to get fired. We don't want to upset the boss because we will lose our job, so we worry. We have all of these worries in life that we try to supplement with other things. Here's the only thing that everybody in this room needs to worry about. The greatest tragedy in life is not to miss out on anything that this world has to offer. The greatest tragedy in life is to die without knowing where you're going after you die. That's the only thing that should worry anybody in this world. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now there's a second compelling truth about being a follower of Jesus that we must come to grips with, and that is in the area of complete commitment. What does Jesus expect of us as his followers? And that's what part of Jesus was saying in this passage. You want to follow me? You, number one, pay the price, count the cost, pay the cost. And secondly, I expect you to make a complete commitment. What's the purpose of complete commitment when it comes to being a follower of Jesus? Very simply, Jesus wants to secure the success of the gospel through his followers. Let me say that again. Jesus expects, indeed commands and demands us from us complete commitment because Jesus is interested in the success of the gospel through us. That's so important. God expects us to be committed to secure the success of the gospel. And we are part of that success. Okay? It's interesting how Jesus, in the next verses of this passage, portrayed himself. Okay? Jesus explained it this way. Okay? He says, if you want to follow me, you got to do all of these things. You cannot be my disciple if you're not willing uh, 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 to let go or to, to, to love your relatives and your, your resources less than you love me. You, you, you cannot be my disciples. And then he proceeded to give an illustration. And in this illustration, Jesus portrayed himself as a builder and a king. All right? A builder and a king. Jesus says, suppose, uh, you know, you, you, a builder uh, wants to build a tower. Shouldn't a builder first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he, have, if he has enough money to complete it? That's interesting. He's asking those who want to follow him, you want to follow me? Supposing I'm building a kingdom, shouldn't I expect to succeed in building that kingdom? And what should I do in order to build that kingdom? I need to be sure that those who will be building that kingdom with me are completely committed. Because if, if they're not, they're going to shame my program here. They're going to shame my kingdom. And that's why Jesus demands and commands complete commitment when we follow him. 
He's asking, do you want to be my disciple? Do you want to get involved in what I'm doing? Guess what? I'm building something big. I'm building the kingdom of God. And you're part of it. Are you willing not only to pay the price, to count the cost? Are you willing to make a complete commitment to get it happen? You know, my, my, one of my pipes broke. You know, garden pipes. And it was leaking water so much. So I called the plumber. Plumber came in. Took him five minutes. Took the old pipe. Replaced it. Covered it up. Turned the water on. Boom. It's back to normal. I paid him a hundred bucks. And I said to myself, I pay you a hundred bucks. I can do that. Simple enough. So the next pipe broke. Guess what I did? I went and replaced it. I went to the store. I didn't know the size. Bought the wrong size. I went home. Didn't have the right equipment. Didn't have the right, you know, plaster cement. Didn't have everything. So I went back to the store and got me some rubber tapes. And I wrapped that baby up. Three miles of rubber tape. So to stop the leaking a little bit. Didn't work. So what did I do? I called Brother Willie right here at church. Willie, come over. I got some banana bread. Got to bribe him, right? He came in. Listen, this is, this is true. It took him five minutes to fix it. It took him two hours to get rid of the two-mile-long rubber tape. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. It's a church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life, but with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, located at 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. They would be honored if you decide to visit them.